Today we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. And what happens with a church, if you're new to church in this whole church, is what we do is we celebrate by saying a few words. He is risen. risen. And that's why we celebrate. So thank you so much for joining us in here. Those outside, thank you for joining us. Let's hear you. Yeah, I love that. And if you're online, let's hear it. Give us a thumbs up, a high five, or let's praise God as we're online. Easter is a celebration. That's what it is. It's a celebration of hope. Who needs hope? It's a celebration of renewal. Who needs renewal? And it's a a celebration of new life. I don't know about you, but I need new life. Each and every day I wake up and I say, Lord, not me, my life and my will. It sucks. I can't say it on Easter, but that's just the truth. And so today we celebrate what we call Resurrection Sunday. But here's the thing. Every Sunday, every week, every day of the year is Resurrection Sunday because Christ is alive every day. Just a couple weeks ago in March, I was preaching up here and I said, Happy Easter. And everybody's like, huh? And I'm like, because we're talking about the resurrection and the power that comes from the grave that is empty and has been left behind. And so that's why we celebrate. Now, thanks for coming. I want to share a little bit about who we are. We are on a mission from God. Any, any Blues Brothers fans out there? If we are on a mission from God, and the mission is to love the world one person at a time, no matter where you're at and what you've done. Isn't that awesome? No matter where you're at or what you are done, we want to love you so that you can feel the love of God and then to learn to love yourself and love other people. And that's how it works. We're loving the world so that we can then be a love offering to them. And it says, in one of the songs we sing, it says, His kindness, His loving kindness leads us to repentance. And that's what we're trying to do. So we, as a church, are a bunch of real people. If you're new and you've never stepped in the doors, this is us. We're in a community center. We're just real people. We're trying to live a real life serving Jesus Christ. And what they say on the streets is authentic. Who likes authentic Mexican food? Yeah, see, the glory of Jesus right there. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now we're speaking real message in my heart. We don't want to go to something that's not authentic, authentic Italian, authentic Chinese, authentic Mexican food. We want that, right? And that's what you get at this church. We're just a bunch of real people. If I'm up here on stage, if you're shocked that that's the pastor, I am too. (laughs) Seriously. I am, and I'm honored. I'm honored to be able to speak the message of Jesus today to you. Seriously, my heart leaps. And uh, when I was rehearsing this, there was no tears, but it's going to be a tough day. Women, get out that stuff, because we're going to need it. We are an authentic community loving the world one person at a time, and that's what we want you to be a part of. And we're so grateful that you're here, and we hope that over the next few weeks and months you will see how God is working in our life. We're on this new sermon series. It's called Elements, and we're going to be walking through the text and some text in the Bible about how to grow spiritual practices in your life. And one of those is community. Next week, outside, we're not going to be inside. We're going to go outside here in this park, and we're going to teach about community, and we're going to show you how to do community. Bring a chair. We're going to have food. We're going to have a petting zoo. We're going to have all kinds of stuff that Michelle talked about, but we're not just going to teach it. We're going to show it because we're authentic. 
And over the next few weeks, we're going to do that same thing, talking about prayer, talking about stewardship. How do you manage your life and your money? Talking about service and how we live for the Sabbath. Talking about all kinds of elements that make your life tick. The things that we need, the things that we need in our life each and every day so that we can grow closer to God. So today's a celebration. Let's hear it celebrate today. Americans are the kookiest people on earth, right? We celebrate everything. We celebrate babies and we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate weddings and we celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate jobs. I don't know. Hey, I got a job. Praise God, you know. We celebrate promotions. We celebrate buying a home. Uh, A couple weeks ago, me and my family were celebrating some friends that sold their home. We're celebrating. Hey, they sold at the top of the market. They're rich. We celebrate everything in America. We celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's not our thing. We celebrate St. Patty's Day. We celebrate Canada Day. I don't even know what that is. We celebrate Fridays. Who likes Fridays? And we celebrate Tuesdays just because it's Taco Tuesday. I mean, we celebrate all kinds of things. But really, the celebration for Christians is no greater than the Resurrection Sunday. That's why we're here. That's what we're celebrating. And today, I hope the power of God goes right to your heart and soul. That you start to feel that right now. That's not the wind from the air conditioner. That's the power of the Spirit blowing into your life right now. And I pray at the end that we will stand for the glory of God. And that you will watch Him rise up into your heart, maybe for the first time ever. Or maybe for a time that He's going to shed you from whatever's holding you back. Because that's what God wants to do on this Resurrection Sunday. Today I'm going to do something different, which is I'm not going to go to the gospel at first. I'm going to preach through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're just going to go through it. Now, this is a 58-verse chapter, so we're not going to do that. We're going to get you out of here and make sure you go to Grandma's house ready to eat. But it is a long chapter, and I'm going to kind of pick through some stuff, and then we'll get the gospel of Mark in there. Corinthians is a challenging letter. It's like a letter written to the people in Ventura County. The Corinthians were people living uh, like in Las Vegas every day of their life. And you know what? We've kind of live in that today. They're living this different life. They're living a life. And Paul's trying to say, I want you to uh, look at the gospel through the lens and look at your life through the lens of the gospel. Look at life with these mindset of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's trying to do because the Corinthian church has got some struggles. Listen to the struggles. There's division in the church. That's a struggle. It's happening today. There's uh, political issues. There's sexual integrity issues. There's worship gathering issues. How to worship, how not to worship, what should we do? And he takes a whole chapter, the longest part of anything that he's written in all the Bible, 58 verses about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the church didn't understand the importance of the death and the importance of the resurrection. The church didn't understand any of that. They just kind of had, a couple of years later, have kind of lost their luster and love for what God had done. So he wanted to speak in these 58 verses about Christ's resurrection, how we are resurrected in that Christ's resurrection, and how we transform from human beings to spiritual beings. Don't we need that? I know each and every day I need to learn to be spiritual in Christ and not spiritual through something else, but in Christ so that I can live the life that he has called me to live. 
And so let's dig in. First Corinthians, it'll be up on the screen. If you have an app, we'd love to put it on there. But here's what we want to do. We're going to read through it, and I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit just to kind of give you some flavor of what Paul is teaching the church. And here's what it says. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. Paul had been at the church. He planted the church, and now it's been some time, 18 months or so, and now he's writing a letter because the church has kind of gotten sideways. And he says, you welcomed it, the good news, then, and still and stand firm in it. It's like, I, I gave you this message, you were welcoming it, you stood firm, I walked away, everything is great. And now he says this, it's, it's this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. It's good news if you continue, but he says... Of course, you, uh, the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. And all he's saying is, did you not believe it? Why is things changing so much? So today what I want to do is I just want to take a moment and pray. Will you guys just bow your heads? Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to us all. Lord, take my words and remove them. And I ask that you speak boldly online right now to that lost and lonely person. And I pray that you speak outside to that desperate man that needs a new hope. And I pray in this room right now that you're breathing fire over someone, that they can feel it and their heart is just beating and they know that it's you, Lord. I pray in your name that you bring resurrection power today so that the world will see you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me talk to the doubter today, and I don't want to raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass you, but there's a lot of people that come to church because they have to, to get food. Come to church, I'll buy you breakfast. And so here's to the doubt, it's okay to doubt. Many of the apostles doubted. There's one named Doubting, yeah, he was a doubter. He was like, I'm not going to believe anything unless I put my hand through his things. Gross! Dude, we're worried about spreading, you know, COVID, that's staff right there. You don't want to get that infected. That's terrible. That's gross. I don't even know why that's in the Bible, but I understand that doubting. But here's the thing about doubting. It's okay to doubt if you do something with it. It's, okay. it's not okay to doubt if you do nothing with it, because that's not really the definition of doubt, is it? If I doubt and I do nothing with it, isn't that just avoidance? Isn't that just rejection? Isn't that just saying I'm ignoring that fact? That's what it is. So it's okay to doubt if you do something with it. So let me give you an example. I, I don't have my phone on me, but a, a couple of weeks ago, me and my daughter Shelby, she's 18 or almost 18, but I, I don't know if you guys know this, when you're 17 or 18, they know everything. <laughs> and so we were having this conversation. She's not in here, so I can't say that. Uh, so we were having this conversation, and she's telling me something, and I'm like, I doubt that, honey. Honestly, I doubt that. And you know what I did? I do what all good Christians do. I pull out my phone, and I Googled it. So I'm like, I doubt it, and I Googled it. And in the middle of our conversation, she's still telling me, and all I'm doing is trying to figure it out. And I find the information and the truth, and guess what? I was wrong. And so I took it, and I'm like, honey, you sure right? And she goes, yeah, and laughed and told me, I know I'm always right. And so, <laughs> but the point is that I doubted, and I did something with it. And I was open to say I was wrong, and then I got the truth that I needed. And she didn't boasted over me. I mean, it was like a wrestling move for a while. Yeah! Yeah, but it wasn't that big a deal. 
The point is, doubt is good if you do something with it. If not, it's not really doubt. So if you're doubting today, do something with it. So Paul is trying to communicate to the church about what's going on and why the church is struggling about the resurrection, about the death. We don't always understand exactly what's happening. And so Paul says in this first verse that there's two reasons or two purposes of the benefit of what we call the gospel or the good news. The first one is, is that you receive it. That if I take the good news and I welcome it, the Greek word actually means receive it. It's like getting a gift. Who likes gifts? Some of you over here love gifts. I know that you're... Uh, so you get a gift and you receive it. So if you welcome it, that's a benefit for you. Nobody rejects a gift. I was giving away $10,000. Would anybody reject it? No, you wouldn't unless you had to pay taxes on it. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll take 6000 instead. <laughs> The point is this, you receive it, that's a benefit, and then the second thing that you do with it is you stand firm. Once you receive a gift, you don't go, eh, I don't really like it. You're not a three-year-old, you're not a five-year-old, you're someone that can receive the gift, and then you stand firm, and that's what Paul's saying. You got a gift, now stand with the gift. Don't give it up. And that's where he's at today, and that's kind of where we're going to begin today uh, as we kind of communicate. I don't know if you guys know this, the actual word gospel means good news. That's the actual meaning. And when Paul is writing the good news, he's using this word about the gospel, but it didn't necessarily mean uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and his salvation before Jesus. It just meant good news. If somebody said, hey, I've got some gospel, like, oh, you got some good news. What's happening? Taco Tuesday? Let's go. But here, because of Christ and his power, you know how many words he's changed in the, in the history of the world? He's changed this word gospel, good news, to only mean one thing now because there's no greater news in the universe. There's no greater word or news that you could receive in the universe. The good news is Jesus rose from the dead. And so that word no longer means anything but about Christ because there's no greater news ever preached and ever utilized. And so what he's trying was changed the meaning and he's trying to give us a story about easter so let's go back to the book of mark and let's go through it's the shortest version of the resurrection story and he's like remember what i told you and here's what he told them about uh resurrection here's what it says saturday evening when Sab the sabbath ended mary magdalene mary the mother of james and salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint jesus's body very early on sunday morning just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Anybody go to sunrise service today? Yeah, it was way early, but we were there. It was good. Thank you, Jim and Teresa. I love the windmill. That was awesome. So they were there early morning, early morning. Some of you, 10 o'clock is really late for most of us, but it's good. It says on the way there, they were asking each other, who is going to roll away the stone from the entrance? So they're walking down the to do this Jewish burial thing. We're going to uh, anoint his body as they're supposed to, and then they look, and they're going to roll this rock. Who's going to roll this rock? It, it, we're, going to e uh, we're going to Israel next February as a church. There's 25 people that are going. If you're interested, we're going to go to the place where the rock was rolled. It's amazing. We're excited. If you want to know more about it, see me at the info table. It's going to be They're asking, how is it going to get rolled away? And I think that's something that we need to understand. Every time I read this story, every time I read this, I don't know if you guys see this, and I do have a lot of coffee in me. 
But every time I read the story, I start to come alive. I see it come alive. I see the rock rolling. And I don't know about you, but why as parents do we have to read our kids' books? Every night, and, and as a kid, I know why I did it. I just wanted to stay up a little later. Mom, get the biggest one ever. It's the only time I wanted to read the Bible. Can you read all of the Bible, Leviticus or something? But here's the thing. My favorite books, honestly, God as my witness, my favorite books are the pop-up books. They come to life. I mean, this is how I read when you get it. And I found this book online. It's called Jesus is Risen. And as we're reading the story today and you're understanding, I want you to see the resurrection pop up in the way Jesus works and moves. This is how he works. This is how he moves. And when we read the resurrection and we hear the resurrection, it should come alive. So every time you think about it, think about the characters popping up, the stone being rolled, and the power that Christ has in it. And here's the thing. My prayer is that someone in here and someone outside, and I want to look to you online right now. I'm going to look over everybody's head, that you will have your life changed. Not just everyday life, your life forever in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. So here's what they say, verse 4. We can continue on that. He says, But as they arrived, they looked up, and they saw the stone, which was very large, and it had been rolled away. It already had been moved. That's a miracle in itself because they needed that to happen. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in right robes, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be afraid or don't be alarmed. That's the NLT. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But here's the best part. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. It's coming alive if you allow it to come alive. And he's not talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. There's someone in here that's life is near death, and it's coming alive for them right now. And your job is to intercede and watch that man or woman raise up and stand up and stand firm on what Christ is giving them today. Maybe a little much. He is risen from the dead, and he says, look, this is where he laid. And then he says, go and tell your disciples. He's like, go out, Peter, and tell them all. And he really just wants them to know everything that God is doing. He wants them to know what is happening. And this is the beautiful moment. An innocent man, his name's Jesus, died a criminal's death. He didn't deserve it. There's nothing worse than someone innocent being locked up. We have the innocent project, so people don't do that. And now with all the DNA evidence, people are getting freed all the time. This man, if he had that, was innocent, and now he's free in Jesus Christ. I mean, he's free uh, because he lived again. Praise be to God. He was innocent, and now he's different and new in Christ because uh, Christ raised from the dead. Sorry. So the resurrection is the most powerful message ever told. And when you go to Israel, there's this moment when you walk into the tomb and you're sitting in there and it's one of the most powerful moments and you see this empty tomb and you see this place and then the doors open and when you look at the door, it says he is risen. You don't even see it until you're inside. And then you're like, this is the point of Israel. This is the point of where I'm at. And this is the most powerful message, that Jesus is no longer in the grave. That tomb is empty, and it means so much to us. Christians have more to celebrate than anybody else in the world. 
and it's because Jesus died and lives again. And that's the beautiful message. And here's what you need to know. If you're new to faith and you don't know anything about God, here's the idea and why we're singing about Jesus and celebrating Jesus. Jesus came into the world to simplify our relationship with God. Before that, man, it was taxing. You needed sacrifices, and you need to wear the right clothes, and you couldn't wear polyester. I don't know. I like polyester. It works. It's not as popular as it was 20 years ago, but it works. But you had to do a bunch of stuff, but now in Jesus Christ, your, uh, your relationship with Christ is, or with God is simplified, and that's the key point. So let's continue. Let's go back to Corinthians and continue on what Paul is teaching the church about the resurrection. Here's what it says in verse 3. I passed on to you what was important and had been also passed on to me. So he just passed on that resurrection story in Mark where we just read how Christ is alive and, and, and you're alive in Christ. He didn't die. The tomb's empty. He, he just passed that on. And what Paul is saying here to you and I is he's saying that this isn't Paul's message. This isn't Paul's gospel. This isn't something that he made up that's really cool. This message was from God. It's not from man. And Paul, Paul is doing what he's supposed to do. He welcomed it. He stood firm in it. And now what every good Christian should be doing is sharing it. That's why Easter service is always packed because people share the message of Jesus Christ because it's the greatest hope. And this world needs hope. This world needs hope. And if you've heard this message 60 times because you've been in church for 60 years, will you start interceding for that soul that needs to be saved today, right now? Because they're going to hear a message that needs, that could be life-changing, save their soul kind of life-changing, and that's what we need. It's important to understand that the gospel that we're talking about today is not just good advice or good teaching or in, insightful morals and values that it's actual events, it's historical events, not just from what the Bible says. There's outside uh, data that says that this is real and this is true and this is God. And your job, if you're a doubter, is to look it up and see. This is real. And it's not a matter of Christian opinions or platitudes or conjecture. It's not fairy tales. It's truth. And you've got to sit in that truth. And you either got to deny it or you got and if you choose to live, your life will be so different and so beautiful if you walk in that. I know, because I was just like you many years ago, and God called me from the, from the seats to ministry. And some of your work ministry is more important than just coming up here. It's doing work and doing Christ together. So here's what P Paul continues to write. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. This is good news. This is God's plan. And this is how God loves you. I don't know about you, but I wake up and I've got an amazing wife. I do. I've got an amazing wife. And I've got amazing girls that I've been blessed to have in my life. And they love me, but there's something in me that needs more love. As much as they lavish me, and they're good to me, honestly, there's still something in me that I need more. It's not enough. And the only
only love that I can receive is from God. And when I have that, I feel complete. And then I learn to love my family, and they love me back. And there's just amazing synergy that happens when we love God. And that's what Paul's talking about. So in this verse, few verses, he talks about three things. Jesus died, uh, Jesus was buried, and he rose again. Let me talk about the death, because a lot of times we get confused. On Friday night, we were here talking about the death. Death is scary to us in mankind, and we hate it. And before Jesus died, they in Christian knees, they call it the veil was torn. And all that means is there was a separation between man and God. Before the veil was torn or before the separation from man and God was taken, Jesus was at the cross, and he says these words, It is finished. And before he breathed those last moments and before he took his last breath, there was a transaction that happened. Let me tell you what that transaction was. It was an awesome supernatural Venmo or a Zelle. There was this transaction that needed to happen so that your life and my life can be right with God. There needed to be some sort of transaction. And that's what happened at that moment. And Jesus, what that transaction did is he, the father laid all the sin of the world upon his son. All the guilt, all the shame of the world, and all the sin. And listen, it was the past sin of all history. It was the present sin at that time. It was our sin today, and it's our sin tomorrow until Christ comes back. He laid all the sin of the world. We call that in Christianese the wrath of God. And he put the wrath of God on Jesus' back. Jesus bore that sin, and when he went to the cross, he died, and he breathed this last breath. It's finished, and the transaction's complete. But the best part is that he also was buried. Now, we don't really talk about the burial part. We're just like, yeah, Jesus died, then he was buried, and then the resurrection, hallelujah. But the burial has something to do with it, and that's why Paul adds it. Here's a couple things that you need to know about the burial. First of all, it's proof. What's it proof of? He died. We don't bury things that are alive. That's dumb. You don't hear on the news, oh, last week, the third person this week, we buried alive. Actually, sorry. Some of you, I was going to say, some of you look dead in life, but you're not. I said, whoa. Welcome to Journey. We're so grateful that you're here. <laughs> well, that was free. That wasn't even planned. That was just... So the burial is proof, and it's proof that he died. Many people don't believe that he died. Many people believe, oh, he, he took like a cocktail. You know how the, the movie's like, oh, you take a little cocktail or a pill, and you wake up two days later, and you're in Caracas, or, or you're in the, you know, the bank stealing money. You know, it's not that. Many people don't think he actually died. It's like, oh, he was just asleep for a little bit, taking a cat nap. But what happens is they buried him because he was dead. And the burial also fulfills Scripture. And all that means is fulfilling Scripture means somebody wrote about it, somebody talked about it, and it actually happened. Isn't that good? When you actually say what you're going to do and do what you're going to say and it actually happens, that's what Christians should do, but that's what God does. He says what's going to happen 800 years prior. He talked about this death and how he was going to be buried and how he was going to be broken. And then in Matthew, he talks about this grave and the other part of the burial, he was going to be in a rich man's grave. And he was. 
because he, he came to fulfill scripture. So the burial is important, but the really big issue is the resurrection. A lot of times it's like Jesus died and resurrection, and we connect the two, but really they each have individual components, and that's the elements that we need to understand. The, the, the first part of the resurrection is not just done on the cross. It's so much more. So here's the breakdown. The cross is the payment for sin. The tomb is the receipt. So the cross, he actually paid, but the truth is, we need the receipt. Who's ever paid something and didn't get a receipt, and they're like, you owe me again? And that's what happens. Because, if, you know, if we don't have a receipt, they can go, hey, you didn't pay me. Where's your receipt? And so the receipt is just as important because now we know today, 2,000 years later, we received this message. We know the receipt. The tomb's empty, and it's been paid in full, and now we can celebrate because Jesus is alive because we have the receipt, what Christ did on the cross. Without the payment, without the receipt, the, 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 the tomb is useless. But because Jesus is gone, we receive what Christ has done, and that's why we celebrate Easter service continually. Now, a little bit later in Corinthians, I'm just going to jump forward and come back, but a little bit later, Paul's trying to explain this idea of this transaction. So let me give it to you a little bit more. In verse 21, he says, So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another. So when, when this transaction had to occur, death comes through one man, and then it's changed by one man, and he'll explain it. I'm going to go in the middle of the verse. And then he says this, Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, because of Adam and Eve and the, the biting of the fruit, death comes into the world. Now, I don't know if, if you're a doubter, there's some proof that came out, and I think right before the pandemic, 2019, where it said all DNA is linked to one male and one female. Everybody's DNA since the beginning of time has the same mother and father. So look it up, find it, go and Google it, bring you all kinds of articles. So they're saying all the DNA links. So it just shows more evidence of God. The more we get closer and more science we get, the more Christ becomes more alive. Because there's more proof, because he's real. And so he says this, and so he says, everyone dies because of Adam, Adam sinned, and everyone who belongs to Christ and the, he is the first of all harvest. And in that harvest, there's a chance for you and I to have a life far beyond what you have today. And I'm not talking helicopters and Lambo on Malibu. Well, that's cool. But that's not Christ. Well, you can be in Christ and be there. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life where you're working through your depression. A life where anxiety is not taken over. A life where the addiction is no longer your struggle. A life where Christ and church and his love and his Bible is more important. <laughs> Proof is critical because we all doubt. And Paul wants to show that. So if we go back to verse 5. In the original text, it says this. Here's some proof. He was seen by Peter. So now Paul is like, hey, he died, he, he was buried, and now he rose again. There's a, re there's a death that's the payment, and now there's a receipt by the empty tomb. And now he's like, that all happened, and now he starts telling us about proof. He was seen by Peter, and then by 12, and after that he was seen by 500 of his followers at one time, most of all who are still alive, but some had died. And so Paul's like, man, 20 years ago, he, we still got a lot of people that are on earth that's saw Jesus resurrect at one time. 
the 12, Peter, and then he says he was seen by James, which was Jesus' brother, later by apostles, and then in verse 8, Paul says, and I saw him. I had this encounter with Jesus like someone here is having an encounter with Jesus, maybe for the first time. Someone online is crying out to the Lord right now, not even listening to the message, just knowing that God is calling them into a new life. Someone outside gulping, going, does everybody know that God's speaking to me right now? Proof is a reason to celebrate. Four authors write about this resurrection. 500 people saw it. In the court of law, all you need is one or two witnesses, and somebody can say that person's guilty or innocent. We have 500 plus, and there's evidence outside the Bible. Proof is reason to celebrate. So let's celebrate we have proof. Amen. So no one actually saw the resurrection. Nobody was there. Nobody watched him kind of transport. Any Trekkies in the house where they transport? Nobody saw the Trekkie, right? They didn't see it, but what they did, they saw the resurrected Jesus. That was enough. We didn't see him leave the grave and kind of go into where he went. What we see as a resurrected Jesus, just like you see a man up here yelling and preaching, because I've been resurrected because of that Jesus. And there's people out here that have been resurrected, and there's people out there that need the resurrected Jesus, and our job is to live it out and bring people closer so that we can be a community that's changing the world because the world needs change. And the only true change that will ever happen comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We got a couple minutes left. What are we going to do? I don't know about you. Do, anybody, have, anybody getting older here? Yeah, you're getting way old, dude. 24 is hard, man. Woo. I don't know. As we get older, these bodies kind of break down, don't they? And Paul explains that. So here's what Paul's trying to communicate to the church in Camarillo that, that's preaching right now and all across the world in the church in Ventura County and in Santa Barbara County and L.A. County and San Diego and Orange County. He's trying to tell you this, that listen, Christ resurrected, and if you believe in that, Jeff or you can be resurrected, and if you believe in that, one day these broken down bodies are going to be resurrected and you don't have to live in them anymore. And so here's what Paul says at the very end of the Corinthian verse. He's just talking about this. And a lot of times we use this when we're celebrating a faithful Christian who has passed on into the Father's arms and is dancing with Jesus. We use these verses to talk about what it's going to look like the day that we make that. But today someone is going to resurrect out of death and darkness and into the new life. And here's what it says about these bodies. He says this, What am I saying to you, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever because our human being bodies need to be transformed into spiritual beings. And that one day when Jesus comes back, we're preaching to you a message about Jesus coming back because uh, we're teaching to you a message about the resurrection because our Savior is coming back. And we want everybody in this room and online that's watching outdoors to have Jesus so that when he does come back, there's a greater celebration, the greatest celebration of all time. This is just a foreshadow of what's coming. And so here's what he says. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. And in my Bible, it's highlighted and circled. Secrets, I want to know the secret. Not Oprah stuff. I want the real stuff. 
And here's what it says. N nothing against Oprah. If you're here, Oprah, welcome. Let me tell you the secret. We, not, we, not, we will not all die, but we will be transformed. I love that. I love that. We will be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised forever because Jesus lives and he's raising us together so that we can live and be spiritual beings in heaven forever. And it starts right now. You have to practice being a spiritual being so when you get there, you know what it's like. So that we have to learn to be spiritual by nature. And I'm not talking about some spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost is moving to bring us to an understanding of uh, these dying bodies. He says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. This body's going to die. And I've told my wife, I've told my kids, don't cry. Because I'm going to be good. Don't cry. I told them, hugest taco party ever. A second line where we're going to celebrate and we're going to have horses and carriages and all this stuff. Because it's not going to be a death. It's going to be new life. And that's the body that I want to celebrate. And that's what I want to give you today. A place so that you can be ready so when the king comes back, you're ready to celebrate the king in the best party that's ever going to be. It's called end of days. He says, our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then our dying bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Scriptures then will be fulfilled because our greatest fear is death. Our greatest fear is death. Nobody wants to die. Even if we're a believer, we get nervous and we get scared because we don't know and we're worried and how are people going to live without me and how am I going to be and all of that stuff. But the scripture is fulfilled because death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Paul is quoting, saying, death is no longer an issue. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you live today and you live forever, and one day you will inherit a new body and you will live in eternity, worshiping the king in New Jerusalem. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And then Paul explains this last part. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin power. Sometimes we just think following the law, following the rules, and all of that is good. But really what was happening is it leads us down a dark path. The only thing that can free us is Christ dying, Christ being buried, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that, there's life and everlasting life. And here's what it says. But thank be to God, or thank you God, for he gives victory over sin and death through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today I want you to know, if you're feeling it right now, there's resurrection power, and it's not me. It's not my shouting and my yelling and my dyslexia. It's Christ. And he's setting the stage for something powerful right now. He's setting the stage. Jesus came into this world to simplify our relationship with God. And I want to say a few statements, and hopefully if you've just checked out the whole time, if this is all you're going to hear today, I want you to hear this. Christianity would be true even if we didn't have a Bible. You know that? 
Even if there was never a Bible written, Christianity would be true. Christianity is celebrated, and Christianity and the resurrection is celebrated because it really happened. Christianity is Christianity because of the resurrection, and that's why even without a Bible, we would still be celebrating and following Jesus. We would still be coming to church and assembling together. And one of the reasons why the resurrection needs to be celebrated and one of the reasons why the Bible was compiled was so that we had tools by the Holy Spirit to help us understand the resurrection and never forget it. But Christianity doesn't need the Bible. We have the resurrection, and that's enough for me. And that should be enough for you. So here's what we need to do is we need to get our hearts right and ready for God because He lives, and because He lives, we live in Jesus Christ. So as we close today, let me ask you some questions. Why do we celebrate the resurrection? I want you to take these things home with you today. As you're eating breakfast, I want you to contemplate what's being said and how you should live. First of all, we celebrate the resurrection because Jesus was resurrected. The tomb is empty. The receipt has been uh, given to all who believes. And so we celebrate because Jesus was resurrected and death was defeated. The second reason why we uh, celebrate the resurrection is in Christ we are resurrected. Listen, I hate to lose. I'm a horrible loser. Horrible. I got some proof here that can tell you I'm terrible. I'm horrible. I'm the biggest, sorest sport in the history of mankind. And that's why I have Jesus, because I never lose in Christ Jesus. I've never been successful in my life until I put Christ first in my life. I have a history of revisiting the stuff and constantly failing. And because Christ resurrected me, I get to preach about the resurrection to you today. Jesus says death is our victory. So die to self and let the victory of Christ rise. And here's the last reason that resurrection of Christ transforms you and me. And I don't know about you, but I need transformation. I need the Bible to pop up and transform me into something that's watching the Bible pop up in a way that can transform this, this soul so that I can be a life blessing to this world. So how do you celebrate? Why? So how do you celebrate? Well, the first thing you need to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no greater celebration. And if you do that, the heavens will start roaring. So let's do that right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ... If you're here today and your life's broken, if you're here today and everything that you thought was good is bad and everything's upside down and the politics suck and the world is horrible and the gas prices are too much, if you're here today and you just don't feel yourself, there's an opportunity to accept Jesus right now. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. And so just say this prayer with me. If you're online, say the prayer. I don't care if you're in Starbucks or Denny's right now. Say this prayer. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me, and you paid my debt. You were buried for me, and you rose again and gave me a receipt that you live today, Lord. And I take you as my Lord and Savior right now. Come into my heart and soul, and be my Lord forever. 
Holy Spirit, activate my life for you. Teach me how to live all the days of my life in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, the heavens are roaring because of that salvation that came. The life are being transformed and changed. So how do we celebrate? Number one, we give our life to Christ. Somebody just said it. Number two, make Jesus the centerpiece of your life. You wake up and say, not me today, Lord, you today. Not me today, Lord, all day long until you get it right. And maybe you don't get it right until you meet him that end of your life, and that's right enough. That what you need to do, secondly, is make Jesus the centerpiece of your life. Three, come to church. Church, we need you. We need people back. The pandemic is getting less. Christ is getting bigger. Let's rise in Christ and let's live for the glory of God. And then when you come, you build the kingdom. My job, your job, we're all ministers of reconciliation is to build the kingdom of God. We do that with finances. We do that with our heart. We do that with our mouth. We do that with our prayers. That's how we build. So that's how we celebrate. We celebrate by dying to self. I don't know about you, but I'm a selfish man. And so I have to, I have to duct tape myself and put me in the trunk and let Christ live so that the selfish man doesn't live. Die to self. Live in victory. Wake up and say, not my will, Lord, your will. I'm victorious in Jesus Christ because he wins all the time. And the last one is my identity. And I don't know if you guys know this, and this is a whole other sermon series, but I, when I believe in the cross and I believe in the death, two of the most important things in all Christianity, I then need to believe in my identity in Christ. And that might be the most important thing as a Christian can do. Believe in the death, believe in that, and that becomes my identity. And here's what God told me. That if I stood up here today, that others would stand. If I just got to this point, and whatever I said, however goofy I said, that others would stand as we get ready to pray a worship song, that others would stand. And they wouldn't just stand, but they would stand firm in the gospel. And they would come forth to the gospel and they would celebrate because this place is anointed for the kingdom of God to heal you and transform you and build you up. So all God said is, Jeff, just stand and watch people stand with you. Come forth and stand. Get out of self. Die to self and come to the king. We're going to sing an awesome song. But it's not about the song. It's not about what I said. It's about you and God right now. And so have that moment. And let's stand. And I'm not talking about just standing like you're now. I'm talking about moving and standing in the gospel. Putting Christ first. And if you feel led, we're going to have our prayer team up here. And we're going to be praying for people during this song and after service. So let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Jesus Christ. It's the key element of all mankind and you are part of that and as we are worshiping come forth and let's see the glory of god celebrate as we sing this song amen god bless you all